Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Prep Life Podcast. This is your founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini, Amy Anger, today with my fabulous co-host. Hey, guys. This is Chris Nicole, Glam Girl Bikini coach and IFBB Bikini Pro. So we are going to be talking about can you gain weight by eating too little? And I think that that's a very common misconception and a belief that's out there that you can go into starvation mode type of thing. Mm -hmm. We're going to kind of talk about that myth and why it can appear to be that way. Um, Some of the truths and the lies behind that whole situation. But first, we wanted to talk about because Chris will be heading tomorrow, correct, to the Arnold? Yes. Yeah, we start our first road trip of 2022 tomorrow (laughs) on our way to Ohio. Yeah. Yeah, so we want to talk about the bikini category since most of our listeners are probably prep lifers that are a bikini athlete or that follow the sport closely. So we want to go over the 10 athletes that will be attending and then kind of what prejudging and uh, finals will look like as far as like date and time and then Chris next week will probably be able to recap some exciting events uh, that you're so what all exactly are you going to be attending while you're there well we have tickets for the expo and we're definitely going to try and go to the pre-judging for bikini definitely want to see bikini and then we'll be we're going to live stream the finals Um, so if you guys want to watch along make sure to check out the website I I do believe they're going to offer a live stream um, just because we're, uh, you know, we're on a budget, so we, we can't do the finals, but we will get to see it. And then, um, you know, it's a three day expo, so there'll be plenty of activities. We're going to see some powerlifting for TC and I'm going to definitely make sure I get to see those bikini girls. Yeah. And so I'll just go ahead and kind of uh, list off the 10 that are competing. We actually didn't know a couple of them and I don't know how familiar the audience is with everybody on this list but a lot of them are very popular people that have been in several either Miss Bikini International with Arnold or have also been Olympians previously so Mm -hmm. the first one Maureen Blanquist from the USA she was fourth at the Olympia and she is looking on point Mm. I was you know I've seen like a lot of her Instagram stuff which you can never tell with pictures and things, but I mean, she's been able to hold her own against the top competitors and getting fourth at the Olympia was pretty amazing. So she's definitely a force to be reckoned with. Do you want to take the next one on our list? Yeah. So Laura Lee Chapato is uh, from Canada. She will be there as well. Um, I just see keep seeing JM posting about her being in the Pittsburgh Pro um, that she's entering this year. But yes, she will be there at the Arnold as well. And she got a lot of first place uh, votes by the judges for the Olympia. It was very close. So she did get second at the Olympia. And mm-hmm. she she is my pick for the Arnold this year, personally. And then we have next Miss Lauren Dannenmiller. And this will be her international debut for the Arnold she made Mm -hmm. her Olympia debut last year and did very well and then we have the fourth one uh Alicia Facin from Italy uh yeah you do you want to talk about her since you're more familiar yeah she um is a two-time Olympian 
She got 14th at the Olympia this past year in 2021. And she's made her, you know, she's really working her way up in the ranks. She's a blonde. She's pretty tall. So she has a different physique than other people. But I'm curious to see how she stacks up against, like, Alora Lee Chupados because she is a taller person. Jordan Lee is extremely tall. I'm kind of skipping ahead. Uh, mm-hmm. Phoebe is extremely tall. Yes. Issa's pretty tall. Um, it's Lauren's tall. Yeah, Lauren's tall. So it's going to be the battle of the tall girls. So I kind of <laughs> skipped ahead a, f- a few. Um, do you want to take Phoebe Hagen? She's next on the list. Yeah, so Phoebe Hagen's from the United Kingdom, and she won, What remind me what she won last year, the, the Arnold, Arnold in Australia. UK. UK, yeah, yeah. UK Arnold. Which qualified her for the Olympia this year, and she will be in the Arnold this year as well. Yeah, and she's been a fighter. We've had her on the podcast. She's always, like, when it was the point system, she missed it by, like, one spot, and mm-hmm. she's just... And then she won a pro show, but it was the year that it was points. And she's just, I feel like, has been, you know, clawing her way to, she's earned this, definitely. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that she gets the opportunity to actually compete. Because I just always feel like she gets second at the ones that matter. And she does the really big shows always. Like, she never does, like, the low-tier shows where she could probably more easily win a show. But she always does, the, like, the top-tier ones and then hits, like, you know one of the top five or top six but she's always like just missing it by a hair and then of course we have uh miss ashley k three-time miss bikini olympia she placed third at the olympia last year and um although she i believe she if i'm not mistaken she placed fifth or sixth at the arnold last year i think she had taken a trip home to ohio and it kind of like went awry so Mm -hmm. she didn't have like the greatest prep for that one so um but I mean she's won so many pro shows more than any other pro so she's always you know something to be considered for for a winner contender yeah Mm -hmm. yeah uh and then uh Jordan Lee which we mentioned from the U.S. Uh, you want to talk about her since you know her background too? <laughs> yeah, she was, I believe she was an Olympian in 2020, I believe. Um, I just know that she's been to the Olympia. I don't think she was there last year that I remember correctly. Could be mistaken. But she's won several pro shows. She's just got a beautiful physique. I, mm-hmm. I love her curly natural hair. And um, she's, I mean, she could, you know, it's hers to kind of show against the big dogs, like how she can do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Do you want me to do the next one? Sure. Lucia. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I give you the wrong hard one. Malbez. Yep. She's from Sorry. the USA. And then Allison Testu from France. We don't really, those are kind of lesser known pros, but um, the last but not least Alicia Pacini, so um, Isa from Brazil. She could, you know, she's won the Arnold before. She's won the Olympia. She came in fifth at the Olympia this last year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's her, she's kind of changing her look a little bit. It seems like she's trying to like recalibrate and figure out where she is supposed to be just because she went from you know winning the olympia and then going to sixth and then now she's yeah. moving back up in fifth 
And I think she's just trying to figure out like how much muscle is too much and then how lean is too lean kind of thing. Yeah, I think that you're right. She does look amazing, but it's like that uh, perfect balance of the the two, like the conditioning and the musculature that I do see changing with her. So it'll be interesting to see how she uh, places with this group. Yeah. And so those will be on Saturday and prejudging is at 10 a.m. I believe that's Eastern Standard Time. And then on finals are the same day at 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. So I'm that's, again, Eastern Standard Time since Columbus is on Eastern Standard. Mm -hmm. So still a late night for me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm an old lady. Go to bed early. No, I totally understand. These these events are uh, the only times I really stay up late. It has to be like totally worth it for me to miss the sleep. Yes. Um, but yeah, it'll but be it good. Usually is because it's yeah, like our exactly. Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I think you know for this next topic, for our actual main topic, when we talk about how can I be eating so little and I'm still gaining weight? And I think this is like personally for me, like I've asked that question to myself and Mm. then I've had that question from clients and I know that it can be like extremely frustrating and sometimes it's, it's like you're, you're actually just, there's something that's going awry basically because the, the laws of thermodynamics uh, just exist. I mean, those rules are there. You know, if you're eating less than you're um, putting out or, con- you know, if you're consuming less and then working out more, then you're going to be in a caloric deficit. And the opposite, you know, if you're um, eating more than what you're burning, then you're going to gain weight. So the, the way that we're going to go through this is just – how these laws of energy balance apply and how sometimes when people think they're going through starvation mode or um, things like that, we, we're kind of going to shed some light on what that means. And not to say that some people can have a metabolic, um, actually, you know, type of genetic issue or medical issue, or they do have like a medical problem where their hormones are off and that can also play a role so um let's kind of dive into this what do you want to start with just um how thermodynamics is a way to express how energy is used and changed out put simply uh yes okay so when we're talking about thermodynamics and how our energy is expressed um we're looking at um energy taking in in the form of food and energy uh out through our activities so there's the it's that like popular saying calories in versus calories out so when we're looking at you know calories in that's our food consumption calories out is based off of a couple things so it's off of your basic metabolic function so the calories that you use just to stay alive, like your breathing, your circulatory system, for your body to operate burns a specific amount of calories. Um, And then an obvious one is movement. So, you know, your daily life activities, your intentional workout sessions, anything like that is expending calories as well. And then also our bodies, um, they go through, they um, 
we have thermogenesis that takes place within our bodies where we produce heat, like our bodies are a certain temperature. And um, that is also a small amount of energy expenditure as well. And then the last thing to consider is digestion and excretion. Um, so like your the functionality of your digestive tract, absorbing nutrients, and then how well you detox also will affect your um, energy output. Yeah, and we'll just kind of put this in uh, kind of like the factors that influence your energy intake. So you've got your appetite. This is regulated by your hormones, and they will regulate with your ghrelin, your hunger levels, and then your leptin, your satiety. And then uh, the second one is your environment. So that can really have an influence on what type of energy you have in terms of like in our society, a lot of our foods are, you know, highly palatable, very calorically dense. So um, we have the resources to be extremely overfed as a population. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, your socioeconomics can really play a role in that. Even like government, you know, like based on like how you get food and mm -hmm. things like that. And then uh, the third one is how you metabolize energy. So how they're absorbed, and that can be different things. We'll get into it a little bit more in depth, but just for an example, like if somebody has a gut microbiome that is off and they're not absorbing calories, now it can go either way. You can either be like malabsorbing or you can be, mm -hmm. um, you know, working at an optimal level with your gut digestion, but that has a lot to do with how you um, metabolize and same with like your liver and things, how you metabolize fat and glucose. Yes. Uh, the fourth one is palatability and reward. So whether or not a food has a texture or a flavor and um, how that energy density is there um, in terms of that, I kind of mentioned that a little bit in the environment part. Mm -hmm. And then the last one is the psychology. So just like your mindset, how you perceive like your control, how you deal with your stress, uh, what your self-esteem is like can actually have an influence on what you intake. And then do you want to take how it, the factors that influence the energy output? Yes. So we will be, lo we'd look at uh, basal metabolic rate. So again, that's our calories used at rest just for our body to function. Um, exercise activity, so what we're utilizing to um, our cal calorie output or energy output while we're um, working out. Um, and then our non-exercise activity, so not just existing, but maybe um, that's like fidgeting or um, moving around within your daily life, something that's not exercise specific but does expend energy. And then our thermic effect of food. So what energy we expend when we are metabolizing our food um, and different macronutrients will have different effects of, of that output. Yeah. And so when it comes to underestimating or overestimating our food intake, that's a lot of the times where the disconnect is. And that's why we may perceive that we're eating too little but we actually maybe aren't measuring correctly or there's some sort of discrepancy. So an example that I would like to give is if somebody is like drizzling olive oil on a pan and that's kind of like their norm before they like started tracking or 
uh, did a diet where they weren't like measuring the actual tablespoon of olive oil and they were just kind of like throwing it on the pan. You could be eating like 1200 calories of oil <laughs> and not even knowing it and thinking, you know, that's, that's enough to be somebody's basal metabolic rate <laughs> right yes. there. Um, you could be doing something like maybe you wanted to have a glass of wine and there was an overpour, um, depending on the shape of the glass, maybe you're figuring that it's like five ounces and it's really mm -hmm. eight ounces, um, things like that, where we are trying to do a portion size, um, you know, and using like a measuring cup or a food scale, but we all have seen like what a tablespoon of peanut butter can vary if you're not actually weighing it on the scale, like you're not weighing yes. that it's 16 grams and you're just kind of scooping it. It can be overflowing. I've seen the same thing happen very commonly with like oatmeal as well when mm -hmm. you're not measuring it in grams and you're just using a measuring cup and same mm -hmm. thing with protein powder. You know, it's yes. another thing you have to measure in grams and not just the scoop because when we start doing that, there's a lot of unaccounted for calories that kind of get thrown into the mix. And I think that a lot of times, like with restaurants, especially I'll find that a client is not making progress and we have a scheduled refeed. They're calculating it. They're putting it my fitness pal but they either don't lose weight when they're supposed to be or they're actually gaining weight and come to find out that the vegetables, you know, had two tablespoons of butter on them. Mm -hmm. um, the, you know, I mean, what was said to be like five ounces of steak, I mean, chefs aren't back there measuring it. Like they're in right. the business to make food taste good and yeah. residual oils and things are still going to get on that food and it's going to put you in a surplus on average, especially if you have a tight uh, deficit where it's just very slight. It's really easy to go out of that deficit and into a surplus. So, um, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Do you want me to? Okay. So real quick, I just wanted to say I, you give some really good examples. I think people underestimate how calorie dense fats are and they're used so much for flavor, especially when we're eating out. So um, I know there's millions of ways for error to occur when we're calculating our um, food uh, just naturally, even if we're like tracking everything. So I think for being like a prep athlete and being set apart, it takes like that diet that we're not eyeballing. We're actually being very specific as much as we can because we know that there's already some error involved. Um and I also just wanted to like quickly talk about the error that we can have when we're thinking about the energy expenditure that we're putting out. So just like we can miscalculate energy in with our food, we can also miscalculate metabolism out. Like it's very hard to have like an exact number of like your, uh, rest, your RMR, like there are tools to do that. But how accurate it is, is going to be dependent on so many things. And I think the biggest misconception is people utilize like the calorie burning uh, handles on their cardio equipment or on their watch and their fitness tracker. And they or like I know my fitness pal will like if they track if it tracks your activity, it will say, you know, you burned 400 calories and now you can eat 400 calories to make up for it. So I think just 
realizing that we actually don't burn as many calories as we think we do. Um, it's very hard for that, the, that extra activity and extra calorie burn. And so, um, we have to be like very particular about how we're putting ourselves in a deficit when we're looking at activity. Yeah. And I think we can also dive down just briefly on the topic of how my fitness pal, even though it has the green check mark, there's a lot of errors in there because any rando can put stuff in there. So yes. you really have to cross check. And I usually go into like Google or look at the actual food label. Um, again, food labels can be off by 25 to 30%. Mm-hmm. As I've noticed, especially with packaged foods, if you're not making the food, so like, let's say you have a packaged cookie, that's like a protein cookie. Um, it'll say like 65 grams on the package is this X amount of calories, this much fat, this much protein, carbs. But then when you weigh it, it's like 85 grams or 55 yes. grams. And then another thing is that people put the wrong, sometimes they put net carbs in. Yes. Um, I mean, I'm blown away by some of the stuff. Like I remember I was tracking a halo top and I was like, man, I always need to like have the salted caramel kind because <laughs> I am only eating like 35 grams of carbs when I eat this one and come to find out like all I had to do is read the label like it was just the wrong amount of carbs in my fitness pal so I was yes. I was like man I can fit in like two tubs of this I was way <laughs> overeating uh, it was really like 65 grams of carbs so I was eating yeah. like 120 grams of carbs or you go girl <laughs> um so yeah you get the idea. Um, yes. So other ways that this can pan out is like when we do under eat over a long period of time. So AKA prep. Um, mm-hmm. Here's some examples of how when you eat less um, adapted to like some changes in your body can actually impact the amount of weight you lose as well. Because when you are expending less energy and digestion, so you're eating smaller amounts um, you actually expend less energy through the digestive tract. Yes. Um, another thing that goes down is your resting metabolic rate. So like Chris was saying, to breathe, to exist, you have a certain amount of calories. Well, when you weigh less, your resting metabolic rate goes down. And um, calories that are burned through physical activity also go down because you weigh less. Mm-hmm. So when pe- when individuals weigh a lot they can actually have like more calories. Uh, they burn more when they're doing an activity. And so when you weigh in less, it's kind of, it is working against you in a way in that regard. And a lot of times, especially people that are in prep that are energy drained, they're just going to do less neat. So that non-exercise activity thermogenesis, they're going to fidget less. They're going to be down-regulated, oh, yeah. especially if they're like really putting it out there in cardio. Yeah, uh, your body like is super smart about it, so it's gonna kind of be um, ex- trying to expend less energy throughout the day as well. And then with your digestion slowing down, you also absorb more energy from your food. Would be the last point. So you're absorbing more calories as an adaptation there. Do you want to talk about how your body adjusts hormonally and yes. those feedback and signaling loops? Yes, absolutely. So that's another thing to consider. Uh, Your appetite and hunger hormones will go up um, because, again, your body is 
regulating and it wants you to eat more to be able to sustain your body weight. Um, so you'll get more food cues. Um, you'll probably have more cravings. Those that's your body's way of, you know, it's, it's smart. It wants you to be optimal and it's signaling for you to get more energy input because you have so much energy output. Um, and then simultaneously your satiety hormones go down. So where we feel full less, um, or less satisfied. And then our thyroid hormones and sex hormones, um, which are both involved in your metabolism. They also downregulate as well, which we do see that with competitors as well. Why it, and this is why it's really important to have scheduled blood work done so that we can keep track of, you know, based on where you are in your prep and your improvement season, making sure that um, while we have to overreach a little bit to get you into, op, you know, that optimal physique, we're making sure that we're also taking care of like your organs and your hormone health in the improvement season to get things back up uh, to their, you know, their optimal level. Yeah. And then some other things that will happen. So as we're deep into prep, we're increasing our physical activity. And so that can actually, when we go above a certain threshold, like Chris was mentioning, when we're overreaching, so we're exercising more, it can also trigger more appetite uh, and more actual calories eaten. And then it also increases your energy absorption lowers your resting or basal metabolism and then again you have less fidgeting um, less spontaneous movement such as neat yes so okay so we're super diverse as a human population and just remember that you know your basal neurotic rate um, it's going to adjust so that you stay alive and mm -hmm. um, most people are not supposed to be that lean their body is just that's not a contest lean is not where our bodies want to seek. Uh, they want to seek homostasis. Um, yes. And some other things that play into factors, just genetic differences. Um, it can be as much as, so for example, um, an average, like for um, different people, you can have like a 160 calorie difference depending on if you have an FTO gene. Um, and then if you're sleep deprived, it can cause a five to 20% change in your metabolism. So that's another 200 to 500 calories. So if you're sleep deprived, it's going to be, huge. that's a 500 calories is huge. Like we don't have that's a lot. people in that yeah. much of a deficit usually on a daily basis. So it can really impact you. And, um, just the phase of a menstrual cycle can affect metabolism by another 150 calories or so. So the metabolism is dynamic. It easily fluctuates by like 100 calories from day to day. Uh, and then even over the course of the day, depending on like your circadian rhythms and things like that. So kind of crazy. Um, yes. So to kind of wrap things up here, because we're running out of time. Um, do you want to kind of hit the high points, um, what we've discussed so far, just to kind of put a closure on this? Uh, I don't know where that's at in the notes. Oh, okay. So um, it would be <laughs> like I'm just being the, honest. the bottom bullet point. So the calorie counts of the foods you've logged might be higher than expected, either because of erogenously labeling them or because of small errors on your own measurement. So that was one of the points that we talked about. I see. Yes. Okay. And then also your energy 
uh, might be lower than calculated or even measured. So just taking that into consideration as well. And then you're expending less energy through movement than your fitness tracker or your exercise machine suggests. Uh, you also have less lean mass as, than you think. <laughs> I feel like this is me. I Oh my gosh. There were times where I thought I was like huge. I had so much muscle. And then you get that DEXA and you're like, wow, okay. Um, so you may have less lean mass than you think, or uh, it may not be, uh, you're not consuming energy as you expect. Yep. And then you're observing more energy and digestion than you realize, for example, for example, if your gastrointestinal transit time is slow or your microbiota are really good at extracting nutrients. So yes, that kind of wraps that up. Um, myth busted. <laughs> we need like a sound to go with that. <laughs> I know we need like some sort of like a punch. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So ultimately like what can you do here in regards to this so that you're, um, making sure that you're still able to achieve your goals, even though there are a lot of barriers in place. And number one would be just really measure your intake accurately. Make sure that you're tracking, that you're weighing, like I was talking about in grams, like don't just use spoons or whatever, um, or like hands or eyeballing. Make sure that you're actually logging accurately. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's the bottom line is calories in versus calories out is uh, true. Um, And I think it's about making sure that those things, those checkpoints are met first. And then if you're still struggling, um, you know, a couple of the other things we talked about, Wolf, you know, to consider as well, even like water retention and stress. Um, And then like also considering lastly, instead of going first to like a medical issue and checking in with a doctor with your thyroid and stuff like that. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think a lot of us, we look for the easy fix instead of sometimes really uh, assessing how we're measuring calories in and out. Yeah. And I think that it's, it's just going to be easier to gravitate towards whole foods and less processed because yes. first of all, it's, they're not going to be hyper rewarding or highly palatable. It's going to be harder to overeat because they're going to have like satisfying things like fiber and um, protein and things like that. And you're just going to be better able to track actually too with whole food consistency. And, um, you know, if you're having trouble with any of these items, I think the best thing is to make sure that you do have good coaching and an advocate behind you when it comes to this, because they're going to not only help set your macros and the best ratios possible and put you in the caloric deficit, you know, from a neutral eye, actually assessing what is like a surplus, what is maintenance, what is a deficit for you, but they're also going to help you troubleshoot through. If you are getting frustrated, sometimes it's like talking through some of these issues. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's so many times where I do diary checks that we are like, boom, that's it. That's what happened, you know, or, um, okay, you ate out at this meal. This is what happened. Um, yeah. And just like having that voice of reason to help you, to help guide you through those, um, kind of plateaus that you may be reaching because there really isn't, you can't gain weight by eating too little. It's just, there's something missing there. (laughs) Correct. Yes. 
All right. Well, uh, that kind of concludes this episode. We are so appreciative of all of our listeners and any kind of ratings and reviews that you leave us. We try to keep this podcast ad-free. So please, if you like the episode, please share it with a friend um, and just kind of pass it on for somebody else that's interested in the topics that we're talking about. If you would like to tag us on your story, we would sure appreciate it. And we are found on Instagram at Prep Life Podcast and at Glatton Girl Bikini. And if you would like to apply for the team and be part of the unicorn prep that's unique and individualized to you, you can go to glamgirlbikini.com and hit the Get Started button to apply. This is your founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini, Amy Inger, signing off with my fabulous co-host. And this is Chris Nicole, Glam Girl Bikini Coach and IFBB Bikini Pro. Thanks for listening, guys.